Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So mortgage rates, could they go to 20%, even higher? I think the answer is yes. I'm going to explain why right now. In our last video, we talked about how there's a high probability that moving into the future, a lot of the assets, let's say, We'll go over to the Fed's balance sheet because all these entities are going bust. It's very similar to what we saw with Silicon Valley Bank Signature. All these banking uh, issues that we have were, quote unquote, solved by the banks being able to take this, these assets that they have and uh, give them to the Fed at 100 cents on the dollar and use them as collateral. And although this didn't nationalize the banking system or anything like that, it takes us one step closer and in this world that we live in today, we live in a what I always call a participation trophy economy. And what I mean by that is we've gotten to the point where we won't let anyone go bust. The banks can't go bust. The corporations can't go bust. The only person that can go bust is the average Joe and Jane. That's fine. No problem. Or the only entity that can go bust is the small and mid-sized business. Well, that that's, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. But as far as these large entities, we just won't let them fail. We won't allow Schumpeter's creative destruction to take hold. Okay, so let's think that through. Actually, before we do, or while we do, let's go over to a little whiteboard that I just did to help us kind of get a visual of what I'm referring to and go through this thought experiment. Here we go. So... The first, uh, the upper left, we'll start there as a chart that I did. It, it's not any specific chart. It's just to give you a visual. On the left, we go from 0% interest rates up to 20%. And we'll just say this is uh, Fed funds, or you can say that's what, uh, therefore, that's what mortgage rates are going up to. Ballpark, 20%. Okay. Well, you can't have, have to use your imagination here. I don't know if you guys can see it on your screen, but right here where my arrow is pointing, this is a black line. It goes to a blue line. Then it goes to a red line. This would indicate how bad things are getting. Well, we know that when the Fed takes rates from 0% to 5%, we have the bank term funding program. So a lot of the assets for the bank, although it's still collateral technically on their balance sheet, but if they were to go bust, then those assets would go over to the Fed, or if they had to default on the loans, let's say, then those assets would go over to the Fed's balance sheet. That's the bank term funding program that you see right here. Well, that's the blue line. That's when the Fed takes rates to, let's say, 5%. But if they take them up to 10%, now all of a sudden, we've got more problems. We've got much bigger problems. And I would argue, even if they leave them at 5%, we could still see these problems come to fruition because of the lag effect that we talk about on the channel all the time. And my good buddy, Adam Taggart at, with Wealthion has a great way to describe this. He calls it the pig through the Python. It takes a long time to get from the front to the back. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't happen immediately. But let's just assume, again, going back to this visual, that this blue line represents the Fed taking the interest rate Fed funds. Therefore, we'll use that as a, a broad proxy for mortgage rates going up as well taking that from 5% up to 10%. This is when we go from, okay, now we got problems. Okay, now we've got real problems to when we go from 10 up to 15 and 20, now we're in code red. But in this blue line, as you can imagine, there'll probably be some more bankruptcies, a lot more banks and probably a lot of corporations would start to fail 
if interest rates were at that level as well. Okay, so then what they'll do is they'll come up with a new program, a new tool. I'm just calling it the CTFP because that's the Corporation Term Funding Program. Just who knows what they'll, what little nifty acronym or abbreviation they'll use, but they'll come up with something. They always do. So we're just, we'll just call this the CTFP because this is an indicator that they are bailing out the corporations that are going bust as a result of those interest rates going up to 10%. Now, I know a lot of you right now are saying, George, they'll never take rates to 10%. That's insane. What are you talking about? This is all just a, a, a crazy hypothesis that would never, ever happen in the real world. So why are we wasting our time going over this? Okay, for those people, that's a valid point. We're going to get into that in just a moment because I think maybe just maybe and again we're just talking about probabilities we're not talking about certainties here but i think this is a high enough probability to where we should give it some thought and kind of say okay well well, how would this play out so uh getting back to the first chart here now we go into code red where that is when just all businesses are fail or failing and um you know unemployment rate would be skyrocketing all these things so the fed can't let that happen because remember we live in the participation trophy economy so at a certain degree, they're, they're going to be, it's going to be problematic if the average Joe and Jane is suffering. I think when they're at the black line, you know, they don't care. They could care less. In fact, they want to inflict pain on the average Joe and Jane because in their minds, that's how they're going to get inflation down. And in the blue line, they're like, okay, well, we need to inflict some more pain, but now we're going to go ahead and include the corporations. But in the red line, they're just kind of saying, all right, well, we're done. This is the only way that we're going to do anything. So now we got to start inflicting pain on the average Joe and Jane, i.e. the voters as well. So you can see that as we go higher and higher with the interest rates, more and more and more stuff would most likely go over to the Fed's balance sheet. That's why I've got an arrow going from the red line, as an example, over to the Fed. But let's go down to this next uh, kind of visual that I've got. And remember that as this was happening, you would most likely see bank credit really going down, which would indicate or which would imply that likely M2 was going down as well. Now, this gets very, very, very technical, and there's a lot of nuance here. So I'm just going to paint with very broad strokes right now because M2 can go down and we can still have it really not impact purchasing power because the aggregate balance sheet doesn't, doesn't change really because let's say the Fed's doing quantitative tightening. And the treasury is just issuing those bonds to the private sector. So they're drawing down their savings, which would be M2. And then that M2 goes into the TGA that cash. And then that cash goes to pay off the Fed, in which case it goes to money heaven. But the aggregate balance sheet hasn't changed because you've just swapped savings for treasuries. But again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. It gets very, very technical. So let's just keep things super simple right now and assume that if bank credit is going down, then uh, we have uh, M2 going down as well. And, th and let's just assume here that if M2 is going down, that this is decreasing the overall purchasing power for society as a whole. That was my main point with that. But what we know is that the Fed could start issuing credit themselves, especially if we get a central bank digital currency. And now all of a sudden, like we said in the last video, they're issuing credit not based on merit or credit score, but they're simply basing it on narrative. And that could increase credit while bank credit itself is going down. That credit is coming from the Federal Reserve. I guess you could call them a bank, but for the sake of this video, we'll compartmentalize them. 
So that could increase M2. But there's also another way that you could have inflation continue to go up. Let's think about this. In fact, what I want to do is I want to go over to one of my favorite websites, quite frankly, longtermtrends.net. And this specific chart is comparing M2 money supply growth to the rate of consumer price inflation. And if you'll notice, I've pulled up 1925 to roughly 1935. Okay, and what's important here is this black line. And that, that's M2. What was it doing? It's going down. Why is it going down? Because we had a banking crisis. That's one of the main reasons. So the banks weren't lending. They're all going bust, for heaven's sakes. And if the M2 is a liability of a bank, and if that bank goes bust, guess where the M2 goes? Bye-bye. It goes to M2 heaven. <laughs> and that's why you can see M2 going down, which resulted in what? Consumer price is going down quite significantly. As you guys know, it's the Great Depression. This was a overall a deflationary decade. Okay, so what is the Fed trying to do right now? They're trying to bring down the rate of consumer price inflation. Okay, but to do that, you've got to either bring down M2, bring down overall purchasing power, or you've got to decrease velocity somehow. And the main way to decrease M2 is to make sure the banks go bust. If we're looking at M2, again, as a proxy for the overall aggregate balance sheet. So if they're bailing out the banks, how are they going to decrease the overall purchasing power enough to impact consumer price inflation, especially if we have velocity increasing, which we go over to our next chart here. Velocity of money, although very low, as you can see, is increasing. Okay, so hopefully you guys are following me. Let's go back to the whiteboard. And let's look at this next visual here on the far right. We've got everyone's favorite, drunk um, your drunk, insolvent Uncle Sam, <laughs> the government. And they are spending money like a drunken sailor. They're deficit spending, deficit spending, deficit spending, deficit spending. And you say, okay, George, well, that's not really adding to M2 money supply right now because the Fed is doing QT. They're not doing QE. Therefore, they're spending money, but in order to spend that, uh, the, the, their deficit spending, but in order to deficit spend, they have to issue treasuries. And those treasuries are being bought, likely by the non-banks, let's say. So that means M2 is coming out of the non-bank system, but then it goes to the Fed, the TGA, and then it goes right back into the non-bank uh, system. And therefore, uh, M2 money supply is a net wash. There is no impact to M2. And this is a very good observation. That is correct. Excluding the banking system, if they're not getting involved and we throw the Fed in there, then if the government deficit spends, it does not increase M2, although it does increase the aggregate balance sheet. Again, we'll shelf that for that other video where we do a deep dive <laughs> on that rabbit hole. But it does increase velocity. And this is something that I rarely ever, ever, ever hear people talk about. And um, it, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But if I'm just using common sense, this is the conclusion that I come to. Hey guys, I wanna remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts 
Lynn Alden, and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Government deficit spend, that's represented by these green dollar signs here. But in order to do that, we've got that black arrow that goes down. They've got to issue treasuries. Okay, well, those treasuries are sucking cash out of the economy. And that is uh, indicated by this green dollar sign. So that green dollar sign, if you're following my arrow here, it goes up, bam, and that goes to buy this treasury. And then that green dollar goes over to the TGA. And then it is spent back out into the economy. And that is represented by this line going back down into the economy. But what we've done is we've taken this green dollar sign and we've basically turned it into a red dollar sign. And what I mean by that is we've taken savings because I'm assuming that a non-bank entity is using their savings to buy the treasury. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. And they're turn they, the Fed, Janet Yellen, or the Treasury in this case, uh, Janet Yellen, would take that green dollar, meaning savings, or low-velocity cash, and she basically turns it into high-velocity cash because she takes the savings and turns it into checking, right? So you can imagine someone that's got a million dollars in their, or, well, let's just say uh, a couple hundred thousand in their savings account. And like, oh, no, 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 why? I, I watched the George Gammon YouTube channel, and I'm a member of Rebel Capitalist Pro, and I know that uh, uh, maybe a prudent strategy instead of parking my cash in the bank would be to just buy T-bills. So if Janet Yellen is issuing these T-bills at 5.5%, well, I'm going to go ahead and buy them. And so, but that would be savings. That's that, that was money that was parked. That was money that wasn't circulating in the real economy chasing goods and services. So then Janet Yellen takes that 200000 but when she spends it, she likely doesn't spend it back into the economy and she likely doesn't give it to that person that had savings to begin with or enough savings to buy the treasuries. She's most likely giving it to people that are living paycheck to paycheck or she's giving it to some sort of entity like defense spending, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, you know, she's giving it to uh, an, an entity that is going to spend that in the pursuit of growing their business or in other words, it's going to circulate back into the economy and it's going to go the main point here. It's going from savings to checking. Therefore, the velocity of money is increasing. So my overall point here is because of this process on the right, you could see, even if M2 goes down or stays the same, you could see inflation continue to go up, 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 up. You say, well, George, the Fed's increasing interest rates. Okay, but why does higher interest rates impact inflation? Because it creates a recession. It creates higher rates of unemployment. It creates businesses going bust. That's what gets the inflation back down, assuming that it's not completely supply side. 
And I think a large component of the CPI going up to begin with was supply side. But assuming that it's the majority isn't supply side, well, then this is how you get inflation down. Well, how are we going to get inflation down even if we have higher and higher interest rates if we won't let anyone go bust? Let me, I want to encourage you to think about it this way. In the last video, we talked about the banking crisis of March 2023 and how that could have had massive systemic risk and it could have brought down the entire system if the Fed would not have come in with their bailout, which is the bank term funding program. Okay, fine. So let's once again assume that the Fed didn't bail them out. Would we be struggling right now with inflation? Would inflation be going up? I think the obvious answer is no. If the Fed would have let the banks go bust in March of 2020, if that systemic risk would have reared its ugly head, which it likely would have, and we would have likely had a GFC 2.0, would we be worried about inflation right now? Absolutely not. We would be worried about the biggest deflationary bust we have ever seen in human history. So my point is, if the Fed wants to bring down inflation, well, how are you going to do that if velocity is increasing and you're not letting anyone go bust? Because that's the way, that, that basically is the way that higher interest rates translate into disinflation or deflation, assuming you're not dealing with the supply side. So my point here is if the Fed continues with their BTFP, which is likely, I think most of you that watched that last video and the, the D-Day there is March 11, 2024, when this bank term funding program expires, most of you are on the side of, oh, well, they'll just renew it. And I think most of you would agree that if they have to continue to raise rates to fight inflation, as things go bust, as they break things, they'll just come in with more and more and more and more of these tools that long-term, I think, will bring everything onto the Fed's balance sheet. So my point is, or my question to you, is if they're bailing out all of these systems and if the government is deficit spending to a point where it increases velocity, how do the higher interest rates result in disinflation or further disinflation or getting deflation or in the inflation, the CPI, down below 2%. It could, absolutely, especially if our, the majority of our problem is supply side. But we're just assuming for a moment that that's not the majority of our problem. So you can see how they would paint themselves into a corner where they're not allowing higher interest rates to create <laughs> the disinflation or deflation that they need and that you got the government, your drunk Uncle Sam over there, that's increasing velocity. So rate, so uh, inflation goes higher, higher, higher. So they have to make uh, rates higher, 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 higher. Then they have to bail out more and more and more and more entities. And then just this vicious circle just keeps going round and round and round to get to the point where Fed funds is at 20%. And if Fed funds is at 20%, what are mortgage rates? Now, there would likely be a huge inversion of the curve, very similar to what we saw in the beginning of the 1980s in the Volcker era, let's say. But uh, if Fed funds is at 20%, the 10 years is probably at 15. If the 10 years at 15, yeah, you put on a risk premium of 5%, and that puts mortgage rates right at 20. And you say, George, there's no way that would decrease demand. Nobody would possibly buy a house. That's exactly what the Fed wants. Right now, the Fed is in a bind because they want home prices, they want asset prices to come down. 
that this is they've said this explicitly, maybe not with home prices, but with asset prices. They want to create economic pain. Okay, well, the best way to do that in the United States with our economy is to bring down asset prices, which would include home prices. Well, right now, demand, they've done that. So bravo, Fed. You've got demand at an all-time low. But unfortunately for the Fed, supply is at an all-time low. So you don't have these huge declines in prices. In a lot of areas, they're going down in nominal terms, but not that much if you look at year-over-year data. So for the Fed to really, you know, uh, really give it to the housing market to impact aggregate demand to get those inflation rates down, they would need to see that equilibrium or that equation, that balancing act between supply and demand change dramatically to where supply was way higher than demand. Okay, well, how do you create supply? How do you create that dynamic when as you increase rates, the supply side goes down because more people are locked into that 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Well, the only solution there is to just absolutely crush demand, crush it to a point where there's almost zero demand, and that would bring down nominal prices because you're not going to have zero supply for sale in the United States. And the way to do that, again, higher and higher rates. So will, so what, is this my base case? Absolutely not. not, not even close. But I think we need to understand this concept because although it might not go to 20%, we could see it go to 7, 8, 9, I'm 10, who knows? Because in because the Fed is basically the arsonist and the firefighter. They're the arsonist where they're trying to create this fire to bring down the rates of inflation, i.e. bring up interest rates. But then they're the firefighter coming in and bailing out all the entities that they need to go bust in order to bring inflation down in the first place. And oh, by the way, you got that drunk insolvent sailor guy, in other words, the government, over there deficit spending and therefore increasing velocity, which no pun intended is adding fuel to the fire. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.